0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle.
1: And I am Mark, your host of this podcast. A show that was designed for you, The Awakening Empty Nester.
0: In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart-filled stories, and conversations with truly amazing people.
1: People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons, and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience heart-filled contribution and consistent awakening and growth
0: find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ecg life pulse let's discover more as we dive into this episode
1: whether you're an empty nester or not we trust you will enjoy today's show let's get started hello and welcome back to the awakening empty nester podcast Thank you so much for tuning in again. If you're new to this podcast, we're really honoured that you've joined us today during a very interesting time in history, when this world is in lockdown, and it's a great time actually to start having some conversations. It's April 2020, and we're really looking forward to the conversation with our good friend, Mr Rowan O'Reilly. He lives in my hometown of Newcastle in New South Wales in Australia.
0: Rowan O'Reilly is the founding partner in a new standard of the use of VR in neurological rehabilitation. That is the treatment of people who have had strokes, who have acute and chronic pain, autism, PTSD. Rowan is passionate about many things, including something he has wanted to do since the age of six, which he will share with us in this episode. I met Rowan about eight or nine years ago when I used to live in Newcastle. I remember I came to see you, Rowan, when your office space was on a beach, a beautiful beach in Meriwether. That was amazing. And over time, we developed a strong friendship and eventually started a mind-body-spirit business together with a Kung Fu master. And that was called The Uplift Project. you remember that? We eventually each ended up going our own way, but we remained friends. Even though we now live in different states, I have watched you with great interest on the international scene, doing what you love and serving with so much passion. Ro is a fun and funny bloke, extremely agile, can juggle five kilogram cannonballs, and I feel very honoured to call you my friend. Welcome, Ro. Good
2: morning, Michelle and (laughs) Mark. Thank you for that (laughs) great intro. It's great to be a part of your podcast.
0: (laughs) It's so good to have you. Thank you. Ro, tell us how this all started. You have so much wisdom, so much knowledge. You've been doing so many things. There are a few things that you're extremely passionate about. Tell us a bit more about you.
2: Well, I think probably I'm just a kid who just basically turned 51 and still hasn't realized that <laughs> it, it's, you know, maybe time to grow, grow up. But uh, <laughs> um, Look, honestly, I'm very grateful for the fact that since I can remember as far back as I can remember, you know, I've always had a great sense of purpose that You know, there is these things that I I feel like I need to do in my life. And I probably did gone about them in in probably completely the wrong ways and spent more of my life failing than I have succeeding by by a very large margin. But I just always had this overall feeling that's like, you know, the whole point to this existence is to bring new things to life, you know, find answers to problems and bring things to life and just use passion and, and that ability to have empathy for other people. That, that you can help is your is you guiding light. And that's just gotten stronger. I mean, I just cranked up, what was it, 28,625 days on the planet uh, th- <laughs> You've this <been> week. you counting. <laughs> I, I do count. I do count. Every day is a, you know, every, every day's a good one uh, most of the time. And, and I'm just thinking, okay, so we never know how long we've got. You just don't know what your budget is. So the point is, okay, most of the time, you know, uh, most of the time you want to just feel like when you go to bed at night, you think like, okay, yep, I, I just did something. I did something to advance mm-hmm. that feeling of moving closer towards making another contribution. Mm-hmm. That, that's the guiding light principle, I think, that, I, that has made me, I suppose, resilient to
0: hard times. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. Yes. That combination of your passion, your purpose, and the empathy you have for people has created a mission where you're now helping people who, for the reasons in their life, has happened for them in some way, and not to them, as some will probably perceive, you're there helping them to get back on their feet, to become functional again. Tell us how that journey started for you. How did you get into that field?
2: Well, honestly, you know, I'd like to say it's because I'm a good person. It's altruistic, but, but it's not. Everything I've done has been out of a need for deep vengeance, and uh, <laughs> oh, that's been no different. And honestly was that, you know, I, I had a relatively, what I perceived as rough trot as a kid. You know, I was, uh, I, I was born into this world in interesting circumstances. But, you know, if I can share, a, I suppose, a personal insight that I didn't know this till later on life but that um, my, my journey was always based around that of being an, a, an adopted child and uh, the the preceding circumstances with that I think best defined in a statement that being the result of a failed abortion was the best thing that ever happened you know and, and because it led to being chosen by people who consciously chose me and were committed in, enough to figure out how to help me in the ways that I needed because there were some reasonably significant issues neurologically and other uh, early in life. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I had parents that were able to, you know, go, this this kid's something different and we need to find some answers. And, and if it was, wasn't for them, then I, I don't know where I'd be right now. Yeah, wow. So I think that for me, it's always about, you know, being conscious of where you came from and being focused in the future. So I, I would say that, I'm not a person who believes in totally being present. I do a ratio. It's like there's a certain amount that needs to be on, on your foundation where you came from, mm-hmm. a certain amount forward-facing, and the majority of it sitting where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm still very aware of, you know, that, that background that I, that I had and how close it was that I've existed. And, and I'm deeply grateful mm-hmm. uh, for, for my parents in having doing that. They were enormously giving people, you know, I came from a fair family of four other adopted kids, all from it, different families, and they went on to and foster another two, yeah. and then they did emergency foster care yeah. after that, and I, that's just staggering so to me. Okay. I and mean, all all of this on a on a single wage family. We we grew it up in the western suburbs of Sydney, you know, and how they even did that staggering to me, and and I continuously think, okay, well. You know that capacity uh, to give has got to be something that's inherently very, very, very valuable. And I didn't realize that as a kid, and certainly not as a teenager. I think it took till after the the, the deaths of both my parents and the loss of my family to actually sort of think, okay, well, why were my parents so well liked and loved? And, and 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 really, the ultimate came down because that they contributed. Yes. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's such a beautiful story, and for you to honor that and have so much gratitude in your heart. I'm sure that has been what's kept you buoyant over time and kept you on your purpose, in your mission. You mentioned that you had some, some neurological issues when you were born.
2: Mm. I suppose that's the answer to your question. Mm. I found learning, and especially in a conventional way, uh, very problematic. Not only cognitive, but physically. I'm just the type of kid with motor skills if you throw a basketball at me from three feet i I couldn't catch it Mm -hmm. you know i couldn't ride a bike till i was probably seven Mm -hmm. and then yes i needed training wheels and you know and together with that i suppose i can't speak for all adopted people but i always knew you know that i felt like an outsider and i know that's not unique to me but the combination of those why can't i do what the other kids can do and and conversely why aren't i interested because they were all happy playing with balls and doing kid stuff, I always thought, "What are you doing?" Mm. You know, I was like, "I got to do something." You know, and, and I remember the, the, the specific day when I, was, I felt trapped by my confines in the, in the west in a backyard in western suburb of Sydney, and I remember the day, and it may sound a bit far out, but I remember the day when I just sort of had this embodied vision feeling of what the ground effect machine would feel like to be in my, my aircraft. I'll bore you with that later. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, wow, that's what's going to help me to uh, resolve this feeling of feeling trapped. And, and, you know, I distinctly remember that and thinking, that's it. I'm going to commit my life <laughs> to wow. making that like true. But the problem was along the way, you know, school was an abstract failure for me, uh, both socially and academically. And, and, you know, that persisted. I mean, I always had this burning passion, but I certainly did not have the, I didn't have the capability uh, to actually do anything about it because poor health was doggedly persistent, you know, aspect of my life for a long time. And I didn't know why. And, you know, um, and again, mum was great in trying to find reasons uh, with doctors, but there just was the, the, the right answers weren't there. And I just said, well, okay, hang on, now, that's it if I don't have good well-being to have the energy and the clarity and the drive to do this, they're not going to happen. I thought, well that vengeance mm-hmm. will be mine. Mm-hmm. I will find how to fix myself first, and then I'll transfer that energy onto those projects. Mm. The actual initial spur probably would have started maybe around 16 to uh, be interested in health, mm-hmm. you know, and back then it was all like, okay, well, let's see you obviously need to eat well, to exercise and stuff like that. And I, and I started going down those ra- rabbit holes, and I explored them being a person who thrives on intensity much to my 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 own down regulation a lot of times. um you start to realize you get to real down to the bottom, you go, yeah, that's great, but that's not it." And then you try something else, and you realize, "Oh well, well I learned something out of that, I changed my angle, but that's not it either." And that just continued and it, and it's, it's' it just continued for you know a good thirty years of continuously looking for information and approaches and learning from other people and self-experimentation, which I think is the best mm-hmm. form of learning, to sort of overcome these issues. And then I became very interested initially in, in physical performance. And I just don't mean that in sporting. I mean it. How can you wake up in the morning and feel like I feel great? I'm going to you know express myself physically in the way that I do. I, I don't want to have to live with or I don't have enough energy. You know, I, I'm, I'm waking up with aches and pains. I'm, I'm ruled by my impulses in terms of eating and, and not being able to control where my mind might naturally want to fall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that, that's the basis of it, really. That's, and, and, I, and then people, I started to get traction with that, you know, and then I started to work with people on physical performance because, you know, that, that was an interest of mine. Mm-hmm. And then through that, people who were interested in physical performance ultimately end up breaking themselves, chasing that butt, yeah. and then needing answers mm-hmm. to that. And, and it, was, it was those simple, you know, breakdown issues with people that led me to ask questions about, well, why do they keep getting broken? And I related it to myself and thought, well, there's, there's, there's a tie in here. Clearly, performance is not about the body. Clearly, the performance is about the mind integrating the body. Mm-hmm. And, and the, based on a top-down approach, it had to be the mind that had to be the top priority right. and then the body. And so that just kept going, and and the, the the problems that I was getting approached by people to help with, progressively got more and more complicated, which forced me to go further down the rabbit hole, both in mainstream disciplines, mm-hmm. which are probably you know done far more than, than most academics will do in their lifetime, oh, because it has, look, it's been tedious.
0: I believe you. I I remember you when I met you. There was a body, and there's about ten books in your arms every day, and you were continually reading and. I just remember sometimes listening to you going, what are you talking about? Because you (laughs) had so much knowledge in there and all these words that I didn't understand. So I truly You can see why I'm
2: not socially popular.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, but I can just imagine how much growth you've had. You know, all the neurons that have, have grown in your brain from all that knowledge that you've learned over the years and are now applying and... I can just see that whole progression of where you, childhood, your health issues, and wanting to know more, wanting to have that freedom, but also wanting to know how to work your body, how to function at your utmost capacity so that you could have everything you wanted. And then meeting the people who wanted to upgrade their bodies and then seeing them break down followed a similar pattern to your own health. And then you found solutions, and you call yourself a solution maker, solution finder, right? And that's what brought you eventually to where you are now with being the founder of Engage VR.
1: But all of that yes. is founded by the beautiful story that you shared about the contribution from your parents yes. and learning the lesson as that as a fundamental baseline with everything. Mm. I think that
0: yes. is, a, is
2: a very, very powerful yes. attribute to you man yep thank you and, you know ultimately i think it's trying to you know because all of these subjects you know and the stuff i'm involved down in now is, is in terms of vr and you know and, and haptics and, and you know and just the interfacing of multiple high-end technologies but the, the truth it is, in terms of a human being it's been trying to make life simple boil it down to simple principles and just apply just consistent discipline of focus and presence to simple principles. And, and, and I'm now down to about two. I think it's just, um, gratitude mm-hmm. gratitude is, you know, is, is huge. Gratitude, gratitude and focus, uh, be the things that work the best mm-hmm. for me, you know, and everyone's different, but like, again, I just think, wow, even when times are really tough, you still got to look for that, the roots of that gratitude tree and still keep going on. And I don't mean that in a woo woo way. I mean, really, Feel you know,
0: like,
2: yeah. it, it, it's, it's just you, you've got to keep you've got to keep you have to keep programming your brain with inputs that it's going to that are going to relate how you really want to feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, we all have a dark and light side subconsciously and consciously. And if you don't want to be dragged down to those, those places that are, that are not leading you to the life that you, you want in terms of how you actually feel in your own skin you got to feed the brain. you just got to keep feeding the mm. brain. You've got to direct it. Like, hey, look over here. <laughs> it's right. like that's yeah. the, the light's over that way. Yes. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. We totally believe. And in fact, that's how Mark and I came to be a couple, through the practice of gratitude. Tell us, though, we want to know about this passion you have. And you've got lots of passions, but Engage VR was one. So, tell
2: us about that. Yeah, okay. So, so basically, in, Engage VR, I, I started several entities before this, the lead of the journey. So, it was a sequential journey. The first one was Mandala Keys. That was a real yeah. hybrid of Eastern and Western wellness and mindfulness and health uh, uh, concepts and philosophies. And then, you know, th- that, that went for years, and then I came to the end of as far as I thought I could take that, and, and, what it's, and I realized what its limitations were. Then after that, I started another entity called Smart Body, Smarter Minds. And that was an 11-year journey, which made me really realise, well, in order to help a significant amount of people, I'm going to have to understand what happens in the conventional medical system and treatment options and try and find a way to hybridise what I've discovered and what I've been doing with that. And so, you know, again... I think I missed a lot of good social opportunities for, for, <laughs> for, for researching. I, I lament that at times, but it basically made me realize, okay, so, you know, considering the fact that we're very lucky to live in a country like Australia where we have a national health service and we have Medicare, and never stop being grateful for that. And that's amazing. Um, but there are a lot of people fall through the gaps. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the main reason they do is not because there aren't a lot of great people in mainstream health. There, there, there are. But the information siloed, you have a GP and he's trying to be really good at a lot of things. It's the, probably the hardest job, I think, being a good GP. And you have specialists. And specialists have very deep knowledge, but it's very thin. Mm-hmm. And you may have a neurologist, psychologist, you know, an occupational therapist, uh, you know, an obs and gyne, an endocrinologist. Very deep, but mm-hmm. very thin. Mm-hmm. They don't seamlessly mesh. Yeah, sure. And so the people that I was seeing consistently fell into these categories where they had really complicated case histories. They had multiple things um, that they were challenged with and they couldn't seem to find anyone who could say, well, do you realise that that trauma you had uh, as a child and that head injury you had a child that was diagnosed and now that you've had a stroke, and do you realise that those two things are potentially link- linking up now and do you realise that your lifestyle you're living is actually antagonising that in the first place and is leading to these behavioural um, outcomes that are making you unhappy? They're all linked, and and it's a revelation for a lot of people to actually realise the interconnection of that entire history, both genetic and epigenetic, Mm -hmm. and then say, no, I didn't realise that. And so the idea really became, where are the links? Where Where is all of those things linking together, and how can we peel the onion and start to address these issues in a sequential manner? And that just, I suppose the more times I was exposed to that, and I was exposed to those stories a lot of times, Made me really even more passionate mm-hmm. uh, to 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 do come up with something better, and you know it was it was an, I had some unbelievable memories from that journey, but it was a very much a solo journey, mm-hmm. and trying to be a, a good practitioner and and a and a good researcher and a good business development manager, you know, and bloody it means that everything's compromised. Mm-hmm you know, ultimately, and I was compromised. I was burning out again. You know, I'd, I'd already had for another passion, you know, about it. <laughs> I don't know if we even want to talk about that one. That was 15 years. But, but you know, I realized that, you know, if I burn myself out doing, doing this stuff, then, then I'm defeating the purpose of trying to help people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically after 11 years, of you know, and I'm nearly running out of puff uh, and having something, a really traumatic incident happened to me, a couple of years ago, I, w- I was, I uh, unfortunately, I was thinking about giving up, uh, you know, out of self preservation I never liked that idea, but I, I was com- mm-hmm. contemplating. Uh, luckily enough, some people finally came along and said, Hey, we, we can see what you're trying to do here. Well, we think that's got you know potential. We'd like to join with you. And it is, James, been such an amazingly different change mm-hmm. and I'm, and now have, much deeper, renewed sense of optimism mm. uh, and passion for what we can do now because now it's scalable and replicable and, awesome. you know, and it's more, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. So the complexity is still there, but now I have, I'm part of a team, mm-hmm. yes. you know, so I'm not carrying everything. You know, and there's more structure around what I'm doing so it can better dovetail in with, with, the, um, with the mainstream medical system, mm. which has turned out to be a really, really fantastic thing. I'm, I'm enormously grateful. Uh, for the situation that I'm in now,
0: wow, yeah, wow, just shows the importance of having that clear vision and still having that purpose, even though you know that traumatic incident that happened to you a couple of years ago floored you for a bit. Maybe it gave you some time to reflect and to rest and to allow something new to come into your life, it cleared something, cleared the old patterns of do, do, do. Maybe I'm not, I'm just. Assuming here, but you, you still had that burning passion to help, to contribute, to make a difference in people's lives. And then your team showed up. And so now Engage VR, I believe it's still very new. It's still in the, in the new stages. It's
2: still yes. very, very new. We'd be we, we considered a startup, but you know that we're actually, what's happening in the world at the, mo- at the moment is actually a good thing for us because we're less on day to day operational issues and more on building structures, frameworks planning, mm-hmm. um, you know, okay. and, and forecasting what the future is going to look like in terms of plans are broken down into very strategic timelines. And, okay. you know, so I think we're very, we're very excited about, you know, uh, how we'll come out of this, you know, and I, I like to think that it's all about perspective,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and our perspective is this time is valuable for
0: us. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. So tell
2: us a bit more about
1: Engage VR. What, what is it all about? You're
2: using virtual yeah, okay. reality. Yeah, well, so look, put it plainly: it would be considered an allied health clinic that's multimodal. The virtual reality stuff is basically an adjunct to conventional therapies, right. and I think that's that that's a really important thing to understand: is that there are now is is a very broad body of evidence to suggest that the virtual reality um, can be useful in a number of applications across physical, neurological, and psychological. What we're doing is now using that research together with my own experience, uh, and I have thousands of hours uh, using virtual reality for, in neurological rehabilitation now of actually formalizing programs. So, for example, we may have, this is our program for people with brain injuries. This is our program for people with you know, depression and on. You know, so the exciting thing about it is this, right? It's not just virtual reality. Uh, virtual reality on its own is a cool thing. But it was never the thing to me that was going to be the magic bullet. The thing that is closer to the magic bullet, and I don't necessarily believe there is one on its own, is that you have to understand how a person works. You have to understand their history. It's all about understanding the person you're working with, forming a good, trusting relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And then you're basically using virtual reality to set a stage in that person's mind in both, fundamentally, a very deep level. Because basically, virtual reality is this. It is an optical illusion that your brain will believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in the way that hypnosis works exceptionally well on some people, mm-hmm. it doesn't on others. Virtual reality virtually, uh, virtual reality <laughs> works on just about everyone. Right. There's only about 10% of people that have problems with it due to um, the way their eyes uh, interact with the displays. Okay. That's an amazing thing because a lot of what's going on with people is going on in the subconscious particularly when they're traumatized, because that's where a lot of those patterns are that mm-hmm. keep, they keep reinforcing. Like, I, well, you, you go to do something and you subconsciously go, you can't. Virtual reality is acting on those older centers of the brain and allows you to put people in, in environments that they, that they will naturally like. I, some people will love being having a gun in their hand and shooting zombies. That will be great. For other people, they might be in a beautiful natural environment, walking around and looking at flowers and mm-hmm. watching birds. It's matching those environments. And then what we're doing is, is putting elements in those environments that basically encourage the person to move in a way that's clinically apparent for what they're dealing with. And then we use what's called real-time biometric data capture. All that means is we have sensors on them. They'll uh-huh. so be looking at things like how what's happening with their brain, what's happening with their heart, what's happening with their, with their lungs and their respiratory system. Mm-hmm. And we're recording data. So we're showing exactly how their system as a whole... Yeah. Is responding to this experience and then we can basically look at these markers real time and say at this particular point when this person did x mm-hmm. these things changed and they were either positive or they were negative mm-hmm. so then we can use that information to tailor their experiences so that it's mm-hmm. consistently more of the positive and less of the negative wow. does that does that is that a
0: that better makes, way to describe yeah,
2: it absolute yeah
0: sense. the fact that it's evidence-based that you're, you're actually seeing the biometrics gives so much more tailored feedback to yourself as a practitioner but also to the patient, to the client. And yeah. and you can yeah. then just build on that and build on that and build on that and create yeah. that environment that is perfect for their healing, for their rehab. So that's amazing. Yeah, correct.
2: So that's the difference between smart bodies. Smart bodies yeah. was about building these ideas, right? And I built basically frameworks and rough models of them Mm. but I couldn't take it to the next level on, on my own. Yeah. Now, having, you know, being to- totally integrated with, you know, having um, business partners that are allied health practitioners is about now we're totally. Mm. We can see how data yes. and evidence are absolutely the critical key to, to being able to get validity in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we've raised the standard because conventional physical therapies mm. don't uh, are a combination of subjective and objective True. measures. yes. Okay. This is much more about being objective in terms of putting putting stimulus in and seeing what it's doing, and then we're recording all of that data into their file, and that then mm. goes into the, back to their GP or back to the specialist, and yes. we do every six sure. weeks. Here's where you started. Here's what you could do. Say so your hand, you had a stroke and your hand could only do this yep. day one. Mm-hmm. Six weeks later, it can do this. Mm-hmm. We can know what every single joint angle is happening on your hand and the muscles that fire it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and send that to your up There you go. Or send it to your health insurer and go, Here's what's happening.
0: Yes, and, yes.
2: and that yeah. is the that And that's the way of the future. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's tremendously exciting. And not only for people. Mm-hmm. For people who are going through these processes of neurological recovery, it's often a very long process. And, they, and often they don't actually realise they have improved because there's no objective data. Mm. But when you have objective data, you can mm-hmm. say to them, hey, look, where you started, here's where you are. And every six weeks we're going to update and we're going to conference exactly. with you and, and, your, yep. and your medical support team. And, and show you, and we'll get mm. together and say well, where, do, where should we go next? Mm. It's
0: true.
2: it's ma- it's massively exciting. That's it's amazing. Amazing. It is,
0: it uh, is. You know, I was a physiotherapist myself for twenty three years, and I can just imagine having that adjunct to the therapy that we were doing would have helped so many more people, and increase their level of rehab. So yes, that is exciting. I really love that. Another thing I'd like to ask you is how about chronic pain? You know, you talked about people yeah. not. I believe because they live in their body and they're feeling the pain. Sometimes they don't know whether they're f- are feeling less pain now than they were a month ago because mm-hmm. they're just continually in that pain cycle every yep. day. So does VR, does the use of virtual reality help people like that?
2: Well, well, first of all, I'd say that I think pain is probably the most complicated thing mm-hmm. there, there is to deal with. Chronic or acute and chronic uh, long-term pain conditions are mm-hmm. the most problematic. And that is because it's very hard to to differentiate between what is psychological and what's neurological. Right. Um, because, again, pain can become embedded in the brain mm. as a pattern yeah. that basically forms its own habits and becomes self-replicating. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that, that that's an important thing to understand. Mm. A lot of people out there in a, a lot of pain, And they have been for a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel deep empathy for them because they just can't get any answers. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense from a conventional medical point of view because you can have all the diagnostics and you're still not actually finding the root cause of the pain. Mm -hmm. Where VR comes in is, again, the brain loves to believe what what the eyes see because the eyes are the brain. Mm -hmm. It's probably the best thing that's come along in the last, you know, in the last 50 years in terms of the potential uh, to deal with chronic and acute pain the reason is the brain can only focus on one thing at a time. And while it's built up a pattern of habitual pain awareness in a normal environment, it's going to keep focusing on that. When you put person in virtual reality, because they're totally focused on that environment, you can distract the brain. Now it's already been trialed. There are multiple studies using vastly different applications in pain between dental pain, you know, uh, pediatrics, and it's growing very, very fast. Essentially, the, thing, the results that we see is, is it can reduce pain whilst in the environment up to about 70%, wow. if not more. But on average, yeah, on average, right? But the issue really is not that. The issue is we don't understand yet how to use it to build an artifact or, to, or to, how to interrupt it significantly enough to disrupt that pain signaling and, and the subsequent neurochemistry that's created in the brain. That's what we're trying to figure out, and so that's what in part of what Engage Mission is using this next level whole body biometrics to figure out what is actually happening, where is the trigger here, what, what's going on, is it actually the a part of the brain that signals danger that's starting this cascade, or is it a nerve you know that's being compressed somewhere that's sending off an irrelevant signal? Mm-hmm. That, that's a big part of why we need evidence. We need holistic evidence to try and help people on that level. So. VR is just a part of that and fundamentally for that reason that I just mentioned is that you can basically take people who are used to being in pain all the time and put them in a very, very sedating, very, very calm environment and they generally always report a very, very significant reduction in, in pain perception. Wow.
0: Mm. So interesting. Absolutely. I think, yeah, you had a question about meditation.
1: What we know is to the eastern philosophies and what has become quite a common practice in most people not everybody is we use meditation to get into those states to allow us to manage to to visualize and to so that we allow us to move forward to a life that we want to gain the peace all of those things numerous things that all of the benefits that meditation does for us can you use this vr system as a hack and as an add-on to meditation, to to speed up, if as it were, your ability to to attract that life, to reduce the pain, to do whatever it is, whatever your goal is, would you like to talk about?
2: Yeah, that? The, simply the answer is yes, and, and the answer really is yes because of the following. Everybody's got particular things they're they're attached to, in terms of you know what makes them feel good. For some people, it's exercise for some people it's learning for some people it's 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 food for some people it's meditation or sex it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the point is if you've built a relationship with a particular activity where you get rewarded mm-hmm. or your, your brain rewards you for it emotionally, you're going to keep doing that. but if you don't have that pathway and you're trying to cognitively say to someone look you should meditate because of X reasons, which are all completely known and all completely valid. Yes, But it's very hard to get that traction in people who already think, well, you know, I, I can't see how that's going to actually help. Me. How's doing nothing going to help me? Uh, and that's, that's, that's a major problem. But with the advent of so much app-based stuff, uh, and there, there are plenty of app-based meditation uh, um, systems out there already, mm essentially made it easier for a lot of people to get into the habit because this is the mode of operation that they're focused on all the time. Mm-hmm. The role of VR really is just to take that to a much deeper level. Right. So I wouldn't, again, suggest that VR on its own is the best, though it can make you very, very relaxed. I mean, it's, it's, it's really good. <laughs> but the issue is um, you, you, again, need to build habit, okay? Yes. And building habit is is about how much reward you feel and how much demonstrable difference in improvement in quality of life you see. So the issue to me is not convincing the people who already meditate, it's convincing the people who don't. Yes. Like using VR to go, wow, I'm instantly in that place. I didn't have to spend a year practicing right. how to get there because it does that's what it does, get you there very, very quickly. Sure. There are now really cheap consumer versions of what's called EEG or or brain monitoring systems that assist you to get into combining those with simple VR Mm -hmm. is, is a paradigm shifter in terms of, you know, uh, getting people associated with that amazing feeling of being really present, really calm, defragging everything very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And and so, so there may be Puritans that will say, well, you know, you missed the point. It's the journey. Mm -hmm. I I think they missed the point. The point is people (laughs) need that feeling. Yes, right. yes. People need that feeling now, yeah. and if they can, and again, if you can demonstratable show them with technology that's measuring data. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, look what's happening in your heart rate. Look what's happening in your blood pressure.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a brilliant thing. Yes. Yeah. Forget about this concept where you have to sit still in the lotus position and you know with perfect posture. Mm-hmm. Forget about that. Just find something. You know, with put your headphones on and just go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just let it start to melt into you and just absorb that feeling. And yeah. once you get that feeling, you're going to start to go, wow. Yeah. Okay, and that will lead start you on your journey because it will become self-evident mm. about how beneficial yeah. that is. Mm. Yeah, mm.
0: beautiful. So we have a few minutes left, but we'd like you to also talk about the other, the neuroimmersive yeah. project that you have.
2: So, so basically neuroimmersive was born out of the work of smart bodies and, again, being exposed to people who just, you know, consistently were not reaching the levels of, of functional daily integration they wanted. And, and I think it all revolves around one particular, one particular young mum uh-huh. after seeing so many and her simply just saying, being re- really emotionally affected, I just want to pick my children up and play with it again because she had a, a semi-paralysed um uh-huh. And I just thought that's it. I'm, I'm on vengeance now again. So I basically we spent about two years in the research uh, looking at every approach Was had been used and was being used for upper upper limb arm and hand, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and then starting to bootstrap some things together, some basic solutions in the in the clinic, testing them and immediately seeing, oh, this seems to have some validity. And once I had both you know theory, hypotheses, and some basic bootstrap um, proof, serendipitously, I knew that you know there was a big need. Luckily enough to bump in serendipitously, actually, connect with a couple of um, my co-founders in Sydney who were looking for an opportunity and just had the right supporting skill sets. Mm -hmm. And we set off on a journey two years ago and it's been the biggest rocket ship ride of my life. Um, The potential for for this system is to help people globally. There are millions of people out there with limb dysfunction who've been written off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And through the the, the interaction of the system and creating Europe plastic inputs or changing paths, growing new pathways in the brain, mm-hmm. being able to bring back hand and arm function. That's just the start. So the arm and the hand is the first, then we'll move to the legs and then we'll mm-hmm. move, eventually move to the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's the start yeah. of this journey about you just really hybridizing and bringing new potential back by actually being able to recode how, how the brain uh, grows new new pathways to control um, physical function. I, I'm tremendously proud of what we're doing. Mm, wow. wow, that sounds yeah. brilliant.
0: Yes, and that's going to be tested soon, I believe. Yeah, we,
2: we have medical trials organised in, in New South Wales. We're just working at our absolute maximum to prepare, get our prototypes, our medical device prototypes ready mm-hmm. for those trials. And then we hope that, you know, that they prove uh, the results uh, that we think they're going to do. And then after that, it's a matter of changing to a, a, commercial, a pathway of commercialisation and getting wow. systems out there to hospitals and therapists who need them and where they are, are in okay. the world.
0: Yep. Congratulations, yet another project that's going to change the world. And there's a, yet another one I know you're burning to tell us about, talking about rocket ships, not quite a rocket ship, but tell us about that passion you had when you were six, when you, you talked about earlier. So tell us what's well, happening now.
2: I suppose a smarter person would just have given up, but you know, the point is like <laughs> like a dog at a bone. Once, I, you know, once I'm attached to something, um. Some people say that's you know a, a bit of a psychological problem. <laughs> Maybe it, <laughs> but it keeps me off the street. So, yeah. Look. Um. What started as a feeling as a six-year-old kid to want to escape the confines of my environment really has turned out to be, you know, a contribution that's based around a, a new form of logistics, a new form of transport uh, that's specifically designed for specialised types of cargo um, to move in places that are very hard to get with a very very low Carbon footprint. Um, ultimately, look, you know, uh, I've been on this more than 40 years, and you might think, well, that's ridiculous, but sometimes you've just got to bide your time and you, and you need other life experiences to teach you what to do in other areas of your life. And each one of the other experiences that I've had or failures that I've had basically have been helped getting me ready, you know, to how to navigate this pathway, oh. you know, and also how, how to manage my own expectations about wanting something for so long, every day. Mm -hmm. Every day I think about it and having to go, it's okay. We're going to get there. Just do something every day. And really what it's about, you know, is to me being able to help people to be able to uh, access urgent medical supplies, food, uh, specialist types of, um, you know, equipment that I need in difficult times that can't be done by conventional Transport, mm-hmm. and I'm very lucky now that I have a team around me. Finally, after all this time, and we're making really good progress. Uh, I, it's, it's an it's an amazing feeling, you know, when you see something you've been on so long to come to life. And mm. I feel that way about all of my projects. But that's my Opus number one, I suppose. And oh. you know, at, at, at 51, I thought, well, if I was a smarter kid, I would have done it 20 years ago. But again, you look back and you go, well, you know, yes, even if you had the resources and the time the way that i thought then I, I probably wouldn't have been sufficient to be mm-hmm. able to coordinate the people and the technology and, and navigate the pathway depending on your perspective mm-hmm. is, is a really potent thing to be able to go well you can learn from that or you can be victimized by that exactly. and i and again as i said before i've spent far more time in my life failing than i have having successes and it's only when you get to this time you sort of think well i can see why that all was necessary yes, yeah. for me to bring this thing to life to life you know and, and it's, it's time It's time for a new transport mode. You know, uh, there's there's some significant gaps there, and particularly when we're faced with an environmental situation that really we can't keep using what we're using. This this solution Mm -hmm. is not the answer to everything, and again, it's it's not a golden bullet. It just it it dovetails in with what's happening already, and uh, you know, I I can't tell you how (laughs) revved up that makes me feel. Yeah, wow, you are
0: you are absolutely a solution master. What yeah.
1: I like about that is, you know, there's an old saying, fail forward fast, and having persistence, and I can see that in you, Rowan. You just keep moving forward. You may have challenges, but you keep moving forward. You keep being tested, but with a, a vision and that persistence to, to contribute, to the persistence to win and find that solution, mm-hmm. you just keep coming forward, and, and you're now in a space where... Things seem to be coming together by the sounds of things in wow. all of your projects, the teams coming yeah. around you and exciting, exciting times for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, very definitely. much
0: so. We just have three quick questions for you, brief yeah. answers. We like to teach our Empty Nester audience, our clients, to live a strong ECG life pulse. And what it means, the E, the C, and the G is have experiences that that are new to you that you can experience deeply. The C is a contribution, which we talked about earlier. And the G is embracing continuous growth. So in terms of experience, what's the next new experience that you are looking forward to experiencing?
2: That's a great question. Um, So I suppose, um, I think think honestly, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's trying to experience what balance is because that's something I've not been ever good at. Mm-hmm. I, I've not been good at balance. I've been a full tilt in one direction at the expense of another, a, another you know, side. So, so you know, you may be going hard at work, but you, your physicality is good. You may be going well technical problems, so but your emotional not going well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Balance. I'm looking forward to, to experiencing a better form of balance, and so I can be sustainable. Mm. You know, because if I keep burning myself out, I'm, I'm not going to achieve my goal. So balance, sure. yeah. Okay,
0: nice. yep. And how would you like to be remembered?
2: Uh, you, you know what? I I think I think my ego likes the idea of, of being thought of as cool, uh, but you know, <laughs> I know that I'm not. <laughs> With that I just tried like that I tried to contribute and, and that, that, that the people who I love really feel loved by me. That that's more important than anything um uh, technical that I can achieve. Mm. That, that the yeah, those people know that I'm really there for them and I love them. Yes. Oh wow,
0: wow. And you pour that into your work. We can feel it already. Do you wanna ask mm. the last question?
2: What scares you most? Yeah. Uh So I try not to uh, very much uh, give much purchase um, to fear, but I I would say not so much the fear of failing per se, um, but can I divide that into two? Mm. Uh, That I allow my inherent genetics to overtake overtake me. Uh, That's always been a, a consistent background concern of mine. I felt like I've had to fight against my genetics uh, to, to be who I wanted to be. And secondly, what, we, what I'm doing does not deliver what it should for the people because it's always been about intent. For example, I want, I'm want i doing these things because I want people to benefit from them. That they didn't, and th- that, that would make me, you know, it, it's it's not scared, but it makes me, oh, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit, I have moments where I'm like, okay, is this really going to work? Are we really going to? get the effect on people so perhaps not scared but maybe I'm, I'm very what's the word maybe a little bit i have moments where i go wow will that work
0: mm, right. because i'm always yeah.
2: doing things that haven't been done before it's not like i can
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: dial a friend
0: yeah so, <laughs> so so becoming comfortable with that uncertainty would be a great yeah. thing and that's the question was to ask you that and therefore to show to our audience that you know despite your fears You can overcome them by learning more, by growing more, by opening yourself up to new paradigms. I'm sure that will happen for you very fast, Ro. I'm pretty sure you won't be scared of very much soon, so thank you. Thank you so much. We could talk forever, but our time is nearly up, so we thank you, Ro, for your wisdom, for your passion, and most of all your contribution to all these people in the world that are benefiting from the technology that you are inventing. You don't like to be called an inventor, but it has come from a thought in your mind, so that beautiful mind that you have. And we are certain that you've awakened the minds and you will the bodies too of many of our listeners to what is possible with that strong sense of purpose that you have, with the heart that you have wanting to help so many people and to love them and for them to feel absolute love from you. The whole energy that you bring of gratitude and the focus that you have, I'm sure many listeners are being wowed by you and would like to be able to link them up with you, Rose. What's the best way to get in contact with you? Please tell our listeners. Um,
2: So you can contact me at, at engagebr.com uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I will do my best to – I will reply to everyone. I can't guarantee the timing of it. But, yeah, at this point in time, that's probably the most direct way to contact.
0: Okay, sure. We'll put those in the show notes at the bottom.
1: So thank you, Rowan. Thank you very much for your time today. And dear listeners, we don't take this time lightly with you. We work every day to be living examples of everything we teach. We're always honoured and privileged to have the opportunity to contribute to your life in some way.
0: Yes, this is a great honor and opportunity to deliver information like we have today with Rowan O'Reilly. And the fact that you're taking about an hour out of your day to listen to this podcast, we are humbled by that and that you made the effort. And if you feel awakened by any of our podcasts, please share your experience with us. Reach out, send us an email. You can also join our community at Awakening Empty Nesters on Facebook. Until we return with our next guest, may you be inspired to awaken your mind and your heart by opening your world to deeper experience, unconditional contribution and consistent growth and living with a strong ECG life pulse.
1: So thank you again, Rowan, and uh, to goodbye from Michelle and myself. Thank you so
2: much. It's a great honour. I love what you're doing. Thank you.
0: This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.
1: If you enjoyed what you heard today, share with a friend. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favourite podcast player.
0: If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at podcast at the dream Looking forward to you joining us on our next show.
1: Thank you for listening.